welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Valerie Milburn. Valerie is the co-host of the podcast called Mental Health, Hope and Recovery. Valerie and Helen Sneed are in their second year of producing episodes that explore important mental health issues. In the podcast, they share their own mental health journeys to spread hope, impart skills, and break down the stigma that surrounds mental health conditions. Valerie is a recovery and mental health advocate and has been an active member of the Austin, Texas recovery community since 1999. She is involved with a number of nonprofits in the recovery and mental health communities. As a volunteer with NAMI Central Texas, Valerie is a presenter for Ending the Silence and In Our Own Voice and is a peer-to-peer class mentor and state trainer. She is a frequent presenter to law enforcement audiences as a part of her work with NAMI. In her work with Communities for Recovery, she previously served as a member and chair of the Board of Directors, volunteered at the Austin State Hospital, and currently volunteers as a peer recovery coach. She has received the Presidential Service Award four times for her volunteer commitments. Valerie is a former educator and curriculum writer and began her career in marketing and advertising after graduating with a journalism degree from the University of Texas at Austin. She and her husband, Malcolm, have been married for 38 years. They have two children and four grandchildren. For Valerie, family is everything. Let's not wait any longer. Here's Valerie. All right, Valerie, I'm really excited to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> well, let's just dive in. Why don't you fill fill in my listeners? Where did you grow up and what was the information or kind of messaging that you were hearing from your family as well as kind of the community in which you were raised about post-secondary education? I grew up in South Louisiana, born in New Orleans, spent most of my youth in Baton Rouge and the message about secondary education was post-secondary education was you will go to college because my dad had his bachelor's degree in business and my mom had both her bachelor's and her master's in 1953. And the statistics are that only 5% of American women even had a bachelor's in 1950. So that was huge. And she had her second master's by the time I was in middle school and ended up with five degrees. She got her PhD in her 60s. I have three siblings who have a master's degree. One has two masters. So even now, I often feel that my one undergraduate in journalism is not enough. So that was the message. You will go to college. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, talk talk about being surrounded by yes. a bunch of folks that are educated. Yes. So why don't you actually, so fill us in. I mean, you, you said like, I only have my bachelor's, but t- talk to us about your college experience. Was college smooth? Did you experience adversity? Just talk about your, talk about that transition. Lots of adversity. I graduated from high school in three and a half years because I was in a huge hurry to get out of the house. And that's a story unto itself, but it was a good place to leave. And I moved from South Louisiana to Austin, Texas at age 17 with one of my older sisters. And moving to Texas was not a surprise because we were raised as transplanted Texans. But my parents said if I went, I was on my own. 
and I had been accepted into the University of Texas School of Business as an out-of-state student, so I was going. I ended up paying for everything. I worked my way through school waiting tables. I paid for tuition, living expenses, everything. To really understand my journey, though, you need to know that I live in recovery, in dual recovery, which means for me, I have not had a drink or a drug in 22 years, and I live in recovery with bipolar disorder, anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So that made a big difference in my college experience because in college, I was heavily into drug and alcohol abuse, alcohol, my alcoholism. And I had two drugs that were my drugs of choice, and it was marijuana and speed. So I was able to work a lot, party hard, study a lot, because speed will let you do that. <laughs> so I was also using those drugs to self-medicate my yet-to-be-diagnosed bipolar disorder, although it was probably exacerbating it as much as it was medicating it. But I was still able to be very successful in many ways because I was holding down a job that allowed me to support myself. I was making good grades. I completed two pretty good internships and I graduated in five years. And I think graduating in five years, considering the fact that I was working my way through school, was a drug addict with an undiagnosed mental health condition, untreated, undiagnosed, I think five years was a huge accomplishment. So that kind of summarizes my experience in college. Well, it almost sounds like too, like you're you're teeing us up for the like, okay, at what point did things change, right? Because what you've described is this high functioning mm -hmm. uh, alcoholic, right? Or, or, you know, high functioning person, which there's a really large percentage of those folks in the world, especially young adults nowadays, um, and so at what point, I mean, if, if you feel comfortable, like at what point did everything come to a head and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm proud of myself considering where things were. I graduated in five years. I'll commend you to work your way through college and pay for it. Like, and to graduate in five years, I would have been impressed with that. And then for you to say like, and I was also using, that was like what got me through. Mm -hmm. Holy cow. Right. You got it. But what happened next? Well, I do have to quantify that uh, my ability to work my way through school. I mean, back then, I mean, I graduated in 1983 and my tuition was $210 a semester. It's not like it is now, but it was still, I mean, I, I had to make $1,000 a month in order to pay for everything. But that was hard to do in 1978, you know, so it was still, yeah. but I don't think you could do that now. I don't think you could work your way through school waiting tables now, but, but it, at the time it was difficult doable. Very difficult, but doable. Yeah. So when did things change? Well, when I graduated, I had met my husband the summer before my senior year. And my husband's 15 years older than I am. I met him the summer before my senior year. I married the summer after my senior year. And we've now been married for 39 years. So you can figure out I'm 62. And uh, we met and married, had our first two kids pretty quickly. And I was clean and sober through both my pregnancies and through their early childhood. And things were good for a while. I started my career in marketing, advertising, public relations. 
and my career flourished and things went well for quite a number of years. My drug and alcohol abuse was under control. It was kind of a fairy tale, first five years marriage. And then all of a sudden it was not good. My drug and alcohol abuse had escalated. My mental health deteriorated and I absolutely crashed. It took me 18 months to pull it together at any level and to go back to work and five years to completely recover. I lost my career. I nearly lost my family and I almost lost my life. But I did find recovery with a lot of treatment and a lot of support from my family and from my friends. During my struggle to recover, I started a new career. I got my teaching certificate during those, um, during the end of that recovery struggle. I was well enough to get what's called an alternative certification where I went nights, a couple nights a week and every Saturday to get my teaching certificate. In journalism, you could get it in your degree if you had worked five years professionally. So it was a really good alternative road back to a new career. And I became a high school teacher and I taught journalism and English and photojournalism for seven years. And it was good because I had worked 70 hour weeks for seven years before I crashed in advertising. And so those were a lot of lost years with my kids. And I started high school teaching high school the day my daughter started high school. And so I had those last four years with her working the same schedule she was working. I mean, she was going to school, you know, off holidays, off summers. And my son was two years younger, and I had those last six years of him with, with him at home doing the same thing, working his schedule. So becoming a teacher was a really good thing for me. Wow. I'm just like kind of living through all of that, right? That was some serious highs mm-hmm. and then some pretty low lows. And I think, I think it's important that you actually shared really transparently the length of time that it took for you to really rebound. Because I do think that there's also a lot of misconception with folks, whether or not they understand addiction, whether or whether or not they are still stigmatizing mental health or both, um, that it truly takes a while to recover. Um, and it is, it to me, like hear that, it's a little bit of this like bittersweet experience where you got to be with your kids during mm-hmm. some really formative years to reconnect and strengthen your relationship with them as they are about to launch into their own, you know, young adulthood. Mm -hmm. So what, what happened once you're like, what was kind of the next iteration? You were still teaching until your son graduated. And then what happened? I transitioned out of teaching full time and started working part time at the same high school where I had been teaching and I wrote curriculum for and ran the advisory program at that high school advisories, the social emotional learning and um, academic support program meets four days a week for 20 minutes. And I wrote that curriculum, ran that program for the last six years of education, uh, my professional education career. And then in 2012, I quit working. And since then, I have volunteered full, almost, well, not full-time, but I volunteer probably 10 hours a week, um, maybe 12, in the nonprofit community, nonprofits that support people in recovery or fighting to achieve recovery from substance use disorder and mental health conditions. I 
most recently have been super involved in NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness, Central Texas, for the last nine years. And I'm a teacher, a presenter, a trainer. I present for businesses, university, middle, and high school students, for community groups, for law enforcement. I present for law enforcement's crisis intervention training because I have law enforcement experience in my past, law enforcement interaction. And we present and show people, show the officers what mental health recovery looks like because officers don't see people in recovery. And they're very uh, grateful to see that most of the time they're just seeing somebody on a very bad day and that recovery is possible. And my latest endeavor is my podcast. I have a podcast called Mental Health, Hope, and Recovery. And the fact that you're intrigued by this little bit of my story, episode one is my full story. And I have a co-host, Helen Sneed, and she also is in recovery from her mental health conditions. And episode two is her story, and it's fascinating. We talk about our own journeys, and we bring on uh, guests appropriate to the topic. We share research. We spread hope. We break down stigma. We cover such things as self-injury, relationships, goals, suicidal ideation, mental health intersection with law enforcement, mental health and aging is our newest episode, and it's gotten incredible response. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. Well, obviously, we'll make sure that we link to all of not just the actual podcast itself, but the specific episodes that are really key for my listeners to connect with. But beyond that, I'm going to ask you this question because I ask every guest on my podcast, and it feels extra special for me to be asking you this now, knowing the chapter that you're in. Do you see yourself as successful? I do, particularly now. I see myself successful now in what I'm doing with my volunteer work and my podcast, because I think now sharing my experience, showing that my struggles, my dark time can be a shining light of hope to others is making a difference in people's lives. And now I feel very successful in that area, but I have another huge area of success in my life. And that is as a mother, a grandmother, a wife, a sister, a friend, a sponsor, because I have worked my entire life to be loving and supportive of my family. But when I was deep in my alcoholism and drug use and symptomatic with my mental health conditions, I did the best job I could but it wasn't always a great job. And now that I'm clean and sober and in recovery with my mental health conditions, I show up for my family. I support my family. I love my family with all my heart and soul in the most unselfish, healthy manner I possibly can. And I do a good job and we struggle together. My family and I struggle together but we recovered together and our relationships are richer, stronger, deeper, closer because of what we went through. So yes, I find myself successful in many ways today. 
So I'm going to ask you this question because it also feels like it's a perfect piggyback. And I'm going to I'm going to ask it twice because I think it's actually or kind of two iterations of the question. The first is if you could give some advice to a young person who is struggling, right? That like, you know, 21, 22 year old college graduate who is like patting herself on the back for making it through. But like, you know, under the surface there's there's some pre, pretty significant stuff that's bubbling. So what what advice would you give that young person first? And then I think the second question actually is like as a parent of young adults or having launched your own children and kind of seeing them thrive. I'm also curious too from a parental perspective, maybe what advice you would give to other parents who might be navigating dealing with children, right? Young adults that are also, whether it's substance use, mental health, or both, you know, like what advice would you give parents? I think to young adults, the number one thing I can say is talk about it. Talk about your struggles, whether they're trying to find your path in your career, trying to find your path with your peers, trying to find your path with your mental health. And I'm not the only one who says this. All the experts say, talk about it. Talk about it with your friends, with your family, with your faith leader, with your therapist. Find a professional if you need to. But talk about your struggles because not only do you not have to do it alone, you can't do it alone. We cannot get better by ourselves. So that's the number one thing is to talk about it. And then to parents, it's very similar. It's to talk to your kids. Um, And then also, we read a book called The Myth of Maturity when our kids were in high school. And it was probably the most powerful book we read. And it basically said, don't try to fix everything. Because the example was, if your kid calls you from college and says, oh, I have this crisis, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. The answer was to say, wow that really does sound difficult. What are you going to do about it? And almost every time our kids would say, well, you know what? I think I'm going to. And they would have the answer. They just needed the support and the validation that yes, life is tough. Being in school is tough. Graduating is tough. Navigating is tough. But just the confidence from their, you know, the bolster of confidence from their parents or from their aunt or from their older sibling or whomever they're looking up to was really important. Well, and I think that's, I've actually never read that book and I'm, I'm very interested in checking it out, but I've heard things like that before and it's still very relevant because there are so many parents that are not listening. They're quick to fix. And I think that that has just been, I mean, it, it's, there's, there's no knock on parents, right? You, you want to help your kids and you're always going to want to help your kids, whether they're, you know, infants or they're in their forties, right? You're still going to be the parent and kind of support them. But I think it's so needed to just be there and reflect and also put the ball in their court, like you're saying, to allow them the platform to actually do their own problem solving rather than problem solve for them. Right. And, and the direction that I try to lead my little, my grandkids are so little, they're two, two, three, and four. And I want to help them decide who they want to be, not what they want to be. 
And so I was talking to my little three-year-old and I said something about being kind. And she said, I'm not kind. And I said, yeah, you're kind. And I gave her all these examples of kind things she does. And, you know, when I ask her what she wants to be when she grows up, I I want her to say, I want to be kind, not I want to be an engineer, you know, not yet. I want her to first want to be kind. So I want her to find out who she wants to be, not what she wants to be first. I love that. Okay. So because I want folks to listen to your podcast and I want them to connect with you, whether it's to just like say thank you for sharing your story or whether it's to reach out to you for, you know, again, a number of reasons, right? Another mom, another grandmom, a, a sponsor, you know, like wh- whatever the reason may be, how can folks connect with you? The easiest way is through email. And it's kind of a long email, but it's easy to remember because it's the name of our podcast. It's the name of our Facebook page. It's mental health, hope and recovery at gmail.com. That's our email. That's our Facebook page, mental health, hope and recovery. And that's the name of our podcast, Mental Health, Hope, and Recovery. And you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So Mental Health, Hope, and Recovery, gmail.com, Facebook, actual podcast name. I love it. All right. Well, Valerie, I'm I'm grateful that you took the time to for us to flip the mic for you to be the guest on my podcast. I appreciate it. Um, And like I said, I know that somebody's at least one person is going to listen to this and really appreciate you for sharing your story. And hopefully they will connect with you to express that gratitude. So thanks again for taking the time. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it weren't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for our next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guest. Also, put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed successissubjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to the Success is Subjective podcast on any other podcast playing app, such as Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Last but not least, Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and by you. You can support this podcast by joining the Patreon community at patreon.com backslash success is subjective. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it.